news is, and the truth is, if you walked in here with a busted marriage, you're probably going to walk out of here with a busted marriage. If you walk out of here, in here with a prodigal child, you're probably going to walk out of here with a prodigal child. If you walk out of here, in here with a sickness or disease, chances are you're going to walk out of here with a sickness or disease. Yes, I do believe in miracles, and I've seen miracles happen. But chances are you will, uh, and I'm not trying to tell you how to get out of your circumstances this morning. Not at all. But what I am trying to tell you is how to shift your uh, circumstances over to Christ. Instead of focusing on your circumstance, focus on Christ. Instead of focusing on your situation, focus on your Savior. This Savior that we say that we believe in and trust. I figured out if that we can get our focus off of our situation and onto our Savior, everything you're going through can change. You might say, well, Pastor, that sounds way too simple. I know it sounds simple, but it is that simple. And better than that, it really does work. Because the reality is that when... Whatever gets our attention is going to determine the direction that we go. Whatever gets our attention, whatever we're focusing, focusing on in life, is going to determine the direction and the decisions that we make for life. So if you focus on your circumstances, guess what? You're going to be overwhelmed. If you focus on your circumstances, you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be full of fear, anxiety, worry, even depression. But if you'll make the choice, even today, that I'm not going to focus on my circumstance anymore... Uh, I'm not going to focus on my circumstance. I'm going to focus on Christ. I'm not going to focus on my situation. I'm going to focus on my Savior. Guess what? Everything can change. doesn't mean it'll be perfect, but everything can change, and all of a sudden you can have peace. You can have hope. You can have joy in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your trial or your test. So this morning, if any note-takers are here, I want to give you a couple of notes, a couple of facts that we need in order to shift our focus to where it needs to be. First of all, I think the fact is we just need to really realize that God is great. Simple. God is great. And some of you are already thinking, well, his next point is God is good. Amen? No, it's not. You already screwed up. You already messed up. You're ahead of me. Just wait on me. I'm going to give you a little history lesson before we get into this text. In 605 B.C., Babylon invaded the people of Israel, the Israelites, in a bloody and brutal war, a battle where hundreds of thousands of people were killed, mostly the Israelites. And the sad part is the whole thing could have been avoided if the people of God would have just listened to God. He kept coming to them, trying to get their attention. He kept sending prophet after prophet. And they had this attitude, we don't really have to listen to this stuff. So I'll just say this, not that God wanted to, but God came to his breaking point. Do you realize that God can come to a breaking point? Some people think that God has just this infinite amount of patience and kindness, and He does. But He does come to a point sometimes in our lives, and it turns out to be for our good. But He comes to a breaking point. We need to understand that that happens with people, that happens with nations. And it happened with Israel at this time. God came to His breaking point. So I'll just say God allowed Babylon, this mighty empire, to attack and invade Israel. His people. That's where I pick up the text today. If you're following, it's in uh, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. 
The king assigned them, a, assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Verse 6, Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave him the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, he gave the name Shadrach. To me. Mishael, he gave the name Meshach, and, and to Azariah, and I'll say that word, that name, four or five different, different, different ways, so just, you know who I'm talking about. Azariah, he gave the name Abednego. So we have the introduction of these four guys that if you have read the Old Testament at all, you've probably heard some about these four guys. But with the Babylonians, when they, were, when they would go in and invade a nation, they would go in and they would look for the brightest and the best, they would take out and capture the brightest and the best men of all, those that had the most potential, and they would turn them into slaves. So just imagine Daniel, the guy that we're talking about here today. Imagine him being home. Everything in life is good. He's living among his royal family, among the noblemen of his nation. And all of a sudden, the Babylonians show up on his doorstep. They conquer the city. They ravish the city. They uh, take him captive and turning him into a slave. And most likely, they, without a doubt, killed some of Daniel's family members and some of his closest friends right in front of him. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that's having a bad day. Amen? That's having a very bad day. It didn't stop there. Then they march him across two deserts. They change his language. They change his name. Uh, they give him a haircut, give him a new wardrobe. They change everything or try to change everything about Daniel. So without a doubt, let's just say Daniel was in the midst of some very overwhelming circumstances. Some scholars even take it as far to believe that they made Daniel become a eunuch, which would have made matters a whole lot worse. So Daniel was in the middle of what I think we could all agree was a very challenging time, very overwhelming time of, uh, a time of overwhelming circumstances, to say the least. But I'll say this about Daniel. He understood something about God that if we could get a hold of it, we could understand about God, it would help us as followers of Christ to get through any ugly circumstance we're going through, any hard circumstance that we're dealing uh, with in our lives. It would help us to get through with his strength, with his power. So Daniel was in the middle of that overwhelming circumstance the Babylonian Empire was trying to turn this mighty man, Daniel, into a slave. Look at verse 8. It'd be a good place if you're following along in your Bible uh, to underline two words, the first starting two words of this verse, but Daniel. But Daniel, because Daniel did something. He didn't just sit there and take it, but Daniel, he says, it says, resolved to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Remember, they offered him food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. I mean, this might be a little confusing because for some of us, we're thinking, wow, Daniel, after all you've been through, you've just been captured, turned into a slave. They killed your family members and your friends. And now they're offering you a steak dinner and wine. I don't know about you, but my mind is thinking, take it. They owe you at least that much. If they took everything away from you, but take the steak dinner and the wine. Well, this tells me that Daniel knew a whole lot more about the Babylonian Empire than we do because with that food and that wine, the Babylonians would take it and set it before their Babylonian gods, false gods, and they would have that false god bless it. 
So if anyone would eat that food or drink that wine, they were saying okay to those false gods. They were saying that they were bowing down and worshiping those false gods. Did Daniel do that? No. He drew the line right there and he says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have any part of this. You can kill my family. You can march me across the desert. You can give me a new haircut, a new language. You can change my name. But here's the deal, guys. I will never acknowledge another god. He says, I will never betray my God, and I will never acknowledge another God. And I believe this is the reason why, because he knew his God was greater than the circumstance he was going through. Daniel had his eyes definitely not fixed on his circumstance or his problem. He had his eyes fixed on his God. What he was going through was real, it was painful, and it was overwhelming, but at the end of the day, Daniel knew without a doubt that his God was greater than the circumstance he was going through. Let me go back to verse 8. Those first two words, but Daniel. This is huge. Those two words are huge because they tried to change Daniel's name. And think about it. In those cultures, when they tried to change your name, they were trying to change your identity. The word Daniel actually means that God is my judge. The word Belshazzar, that they were trying to change his name to, means that Baal saves, that this false god saves. That tells me that Daniel never took on the identity of a slave. They were trying to push it on him, press it on him, make him uh, conform, but he never took on the identity of a slave. And by the way, we're not reading the book of Belshazzar today. We're reading the book of Daniel. That's important to remember, too. If you and I don't want to be overwhelmed by our circumstance... We cannot take on the identity, the identity uh, of things that used to enslave us. You cannot take on the identity of your past. In matter of fact, we need to stop identifying with our past. You believe that? I believe that. Stop identifying with who you used to be. Some people say, well, I have a sexual past. I sinned. I really messed up. And they keep talking about it. They keep bringing it up. They keep exposing all their baggage. I'm thinking, stop talking about it. That's who you used to be, that's not who you are if now you are in Christ. Because the fact is, Jesus Christ has given us victory over those things that are trying to overwhelm us, and, because, and it's because He's greater than our circumstance that we're going through. God is greater. God is so much greater than the troubles that you're going through. And sometimes you need a preacher to tell you and remind you that. Sometimes this preacher needs me to remind myself of that. I remember years ago when Austin was a little guy, we took him over to the Indianapolis Zoo, and we were there feeding the ducks. And I, I heard this hissing to my right, and I look over, and there's this huge goose among the ducks, and he's got his wings all up in the air, and his neck is bowed up, and he was just angry. He just looked mad at something. Well, we kept feeding the ducks. But I remember keeping my eye on that crazy goose, and it got crazier, and it lost it, and it started running after me. What did I do? What I did before, screamed like a 12-year-old girl and ran from the goose. About 10 seconds into my run, I realized, wait a minute, why am I running? I'm bigger than that goose. And I turned around and I pointed my finger at that goose and said, in the name of Jesus, goose, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to punch you like a football. And I, some, I just offended some PETA people. I'm sorry. But it was a goose. And I was thinking, why in the world would I run from something that I had power over, that I was bigger than? There are some of you in this room that are running from some things in your life that through Christ and with his help, you have absolute power over. You have absolute uh, strength over. Why in the world would you be running from something that Jesus has given you power over? 
We don't have to be overwhelmed by those kind of overwhelming circumstances because guess what? Jesus is bigger than any goose that's chasing you. Amen? He's bigger than any problem or circumstance that you're facing. Point number two, not only is God great, but he is able. God is able. You know, when we have our big snows around here, it always makes me laugh to see these guys come out of the woodwork with these huge trucks. I mean, these massive trucks. I'm not talking about an Escalade or a Jeep Cherokee. I'm talking about these redneck trucks that have tires on them so massive you have to get a stepladder just to get up inside the truck. And in the back of every one of those trucks is a log chain. I mean, a chain so big it could pull Africa and South America back together again. Why in the world do they have to have a chain that big? I have no idea. But when I think about these guys, I think these guys believe with all of their heart that their truck can pull anything that they can get that chain around. Amen? You might say, what's that got to do with a sermon? What's that got to do about Daniel? My question is, what if we believed in God like rednecks believe in their trucks? Amen? (laughs) I mean, things could change in a hurry. And we could pull ourselves or somebody out of some big messes that we get ourselves in. The amazing thing about Daniel, he didn't have the luxury of God just showing up and say, Hey, Daniel, I want to let you in on the deal today. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a really bad day. The Babylonians are going to show up on your doorstep. They're going to attack you. They're going to conquer you. They're going to take you as a captive and turn you uh, into a slave. They're going to demand that you drink their wine and eat their food. But don't do it. Because, Daniel, if you don't do it, then... I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And by the way, Daniel, down the road, there's going to be a, a book in the Bible named after you. There's even going to be a VeggieTale character named after you. So, so don't do it. Daniel didn't have those luxuries. He didn't know any of that. All Daniel knew that was that he was in a bad situation. He was in a bad circumstance that was overwhelming him. And all he knew, bottom line, was that God was greater than that circumstance, no matter how bad it looked. God was greater, and God was able to pull him through. He didn't have to know the details. He just had to know that God was on his side. God was helping fight his battle. God was his strength. God was his help and could be greater and pull him through whatever situation uh, he was going through. You realize sometimes that's all you need to know. You don't have to know the specifics. You don't have to know all the details. You just have to trust that God's got it. God's got it, and God's greater. God's able to pull you through whatever you're dealing with. Uh, Look at verse 9. Starts out with the words, now God. Those are very important words. If you're following along, you might want to underline if you underline in your Bible. These are so important because it tells me that God is a right now God. God is a right now God working on your case, working on your circumstance. Too often we only think of God as a back then God. God helped me with that situation back then or God helped them with that situation back then. The cool thing, if you're a follower of Christ, the Bible tells us that he is with us. It doesn't say he will be with us. He will, but he is with us right now going through our circumstance. So God is working for his glory and for our peace, for his glory and for our joy right now. God is a right now God. As soon as we can get that in our hearts, it'll help your day go a whole lot better to realize that we don't just have to wait on God to do something down the road, although we do. God is working on it right now. Even if you can't see it, look at verse 9. Now God had caused the official to to show favor and compassion to Daniel. 
But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Think about this. Any time that you have a revelation that God is great and that God is able, the world's going to show up and they're going to try to get you to compromise. Do you realize that? They're going to show up and they're going to try to get you to compromise. But think about Daniel. He had firmly made up his mind what he was going to do, what he wasn't going to do. And this guy comes up and tries to dissuade him, tries to tell him, no, you can't do this. I believe Daniel knew deep down inside that God could accomplish more with his conviction than he could with his compromise. You realize God can accomplish more with our convictions than he can with our compromise. The sad part is compromising is a whole lot easier than convictions, amen? So a lot of times we take the easy route. But the truth is God doesn't need any one of us to compromise his word, to compromise him, to make him look better. He doesn't need that at all. God's a big God. He can take care of himself. He doesn't need that at all. He's an awesome God. He doesn't need his church out there compromising. He needs his church standing up in faith. Yeah, being honest and say, yes, this circumstance is a whole lot bigger than me, but it's not bigger than my God. And my God is greater than what I'm going through, and he's able to pull me through. Let me keep reading verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. You get the picture? These other guys are uh, having steak and lobster, and Daniel and his boys are eating beans and water, and they come out looking stronger and better than those eating the royal food. It says in verse 17, To these four young men God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. That's going to come in real handy in next week's sermon when we look at how Daniel can interpret dreams. But in verse 8, it says, At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Get this part. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. He found them ten times better than the best of the best in his kingdom. That was God. Ten times better. Daniel stood firm on his beliefs. He was faithful to God. Yet God did not deliver Daniel from his circumstance. Guess what God did? Took him through his circumstance. Do you realize that sometimes God's not going to take your circumstance out of the picture? He's not going to take you out of the picture of that circumstance. But God has made us a promise that whatever we're going through, He'll be able to take us through because God is that great. He's that great. He's that able. And guess what? The same God that did it for Daniel can do it for you today. No matter what you're in the middle of, God is that same God. And here's a little secret about God. God's not threatened by our situations and our circumstances. He's not frightened by the problems we're going through. 
Because the truth is, God is, if you remember, a grave-robbing, water-walking, miracle-working, death-defying God. Amen? He is able, more than able. And He's greater than anything you're going through today. And He's able to pull you through whatever it is. Sometimes, maybe some of you right now, you're just seeing this huge mountain of problem in front of you. Just with the words I've spoken so far, you ought to realize, yeah, that mountain might be big, but my God is bigger. What I'm just trying to tell you or show you today is, is not fill you in on all the details, but just to give you a moment to say, I'm going to trust my God no matter how big that mountain looks. Uh, I'm going to get my focus not on my circumstance, but on my Christ. I'm, not going, to get my, uh, I'm going to get my focus off of my situation and on my Savior, knowing that God is a great God, big enough to pull you through. But here's where it really hit home to me. I was reading in the book of John one day. If you start in John chapter 13, read 14, 15, and 16, Jesus does this amazing teaching that kind of goes through uh, all of those chapters. And then he comes to verse 33 in chapter 16, and he says this, I have told you these things. And if you don't know what things I'm talking about, I'm not, I don't have time right now to go into it. Read it on your own. Read chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. Find out for yourself. But he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I would be w willing to bet that there are people, maybe lots of people in this room, that you need some peace in your life. You need some peace in your heart. You're going through some situations. Maybe you're desperate for peace in your life. And all Jesus is saying, maybe, maybe you've been looking at the wrong, in the wrong places to find that peace. I'm where you need to look. Jesus is where we need to look to find that peace. But then he's not finished yet. He goes on and he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say in this world, you might have trouble. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And remember who's saying this. This is Jesus. And guess who he's speaking to? Not a bunch of bad guys. He's speaking to his uh, disciples, his apostles, these guys that have given it all over to him. He's talking to them and he's saying, guys, here's the deal. If you follow me, you're going to have trouble. You know, this goes against the grain in our minds, and sometimes it's because you've heard preachers say that whenever you're walking with Christ, your walk's just going to get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. <laughs> sometimes I've heard that, and I thought, man, I must be doing something wrong, amen, because things aren't getting sweeter and sweeter. I know what they're saying. But sometimes the reality is it doesn't always work that way. How would you tell that to Peter? Peter had a successful fishing business. Jesus called him into ministry, said, throw down your nets and follow me. Peter threw down his nets and he followed Jesus. What happened to Peter? He got crucified upside down. Amen? So it doesn't always work that way. Jesus says, in this world, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have some trouble. But then he says this, and he caps it off with this, but take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. You realize Jesus wasn't overwhelmed by his circumstances. He overcame his circumstance. I believe someone really needs to hear that loud and clear today. Jesus was not overwhelmed by his circumstances. He overcame his circumstance. But he says that if we're in him, we can overcome because he overcame. You and I, through this same strength, God's strength, can experience that same thing in our lives. I love how in the book of Revelation, John gives us a glimpse of heaven. He's seeing people that are there because they trusted their life to Christ. But listen to what he says in verse 11. He says, they triumphed over uh, him, which means the enemy, Satan and his works, 
By what? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Do you realize one of these days on the other side, we are going to stand before Jesus Christ. If we're in Christ, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. We're going to stand together. We're going to stand together and we're going to worship Jesus. And guess what else we're going to have? According to that scripture, we're going to have a testimony. We're going to have a story to tell. And I believe we're going to be able to look back and say, wow, that was a time where I was really going through it. There were some struggles. I was stressed out. I was freaked out. But God showed me that He was greater than my situation. God showed me He was greater than my circumstance and that He was able to pull me through. Church, I pray you'll hear that loud and clear that God is bigger than your circumstance. He's greater than your circumstance. And He is more than able to see you through, to pull you through whatever you're going through. And think about this as we close. They buried Jesus in a tomb, remember? But He's not there anymore. That tomb is empty. He walked out of that tomb. He overcame the most overwhelming situation of all, death. Came out of that tomb. And He rules and reigns today. That matters. Because if you and I are a believer, that same Jesus that overcame that tomb now lives in you. And if He can overcome that... He can overcome any situation, any circumstance that this world has to throw at us. Amen? Because He's greater than your circumstance this morning. He's greater and He is able to pull you through. Could you stand to your feet this morning? Could you bow your hearts in prayer? I, I believe that maybe this is one of the most relevant messages I've ever preached. Because I believe it relates to every person. Every person, not only in this room, but in this world. That God is greater than our circumstance. Daniel went through hellacious circumstances. And we're just getting to the start of it. But he went through some tremendous challenges and tests. But through it all, he started out with a foundation of faith that believed that God was greater than his circumstance. God was greater than his trouble. So with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, we just pray to you, Lord God, we thank you that you're greater than our biggest problems, no matter how big they are. We thank you that you're able to see us through whatever we're going through. Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand strong in our faith, help us to trust you no matter how bad or how impossible circumstances might seem to be. Lord, help us always to remember that you're with us, no matter how things look. Help us to realize that you overcame so that we could overcome. I pray, Lord God, for those that are going through specific hard times in this room today. Lord God, I pray that a supernatural measure of your strength would come into their heart, mind, and spirit. That, Lord God, they would be encouraged at what they've heard. Not only them, but everyone in this room would be encouraged. Because in this world, we will have trouble. And if we're not having trouble today, we will tomorrow. So, Father, I pray that you would set this message deep in our hearts to realize that you've given us an ammunition. You've given us the power to overcome through your grace, through your strength, through your presence, and through your overcoming power. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, and everyone that agrees with that says amen. 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 Before I let you go, we are going to have a baptism service in about uh, 15 minutes. You're welcome to all stay. If you have to go, I understand that. But we'll start up in about 15 minutes. Those that are being baptized, could you just go to the back nursery area and we'll get ready. But I'll see you in about 15 minutes. God bless you all.